The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. It's exciting to see that this little church right here on this little island, a small state in this country, the lives are being impacted around the world. You know, we've been talking over the last several weeks about what does it mean to make an impact? We're looking at our impacting generosity initiative to say we believe that God is moving us in this time and season in the crossroads of the life of this church as to have a profound impact on the lives of our people, but to really engage more deeply in what does it mean to be a part of a body of believers? What does it mean to share life together? And, and that's dangerous at one level, and that's threatening to some of, uh, to some of us, uh, but it's also incredibly exciting. To, base, to, to lay down your walls a little bit and to invite somebody else in to say, I want to walk with you. I, I want to honor the Lord in the manner in which I live my life, and I can't do that by myself. Would you come in and walk with me? And let's learn together, to cry together, laugh together. And, and all of those things, we want to impact the lives of the people who are here. And then we've, we've said that we believe from this place that we can go out and have an impact into our community. Uh, seeing what can happen if this church really uh, gets on fire for sharing the gospel and loving broken lives, uh, going into wherever it is that God uh, has you uh, to minister. Sometimes you think of brokenness, you think of impacting lives, uh, and you think of poverty. Well, that's one place where there's brokenness. But you do realize there's brokenness in the midst of wealth as well. Uh, I've told you before, my friends like to pick on me and go, wow, my gosh, you're really suffering down there in Hilton for the gospel, aren't you? And uh, I used to get upset with that comment and try to come up with a reasonable defense until I dawned on me and I read the scriptures, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy person to come to faith. And so what we're doing is we're ministering to those who are in need, both in their poverty and in their wealth, and we want to have an impact on their lives. But as we're going, it's true. We want to impact the lives of the people who are around us. We want to believe that God strategically placed this church and providentially placed this church right here, right across the street from 3,500 students, right around the corner from the Boys and Girls Club, uh, right here on this island that needs the church uh, to be incredibly passionate about caring for both the felt needs and the spiritual needs of our people. And we're in the need ministry. And this morning, we are going to say that we believe God is calling us to have an impact globally. That we believe that this church can have an impact around the world. And you saw it and you heard it there. But there's some of our members who are, are going and serving around the world, you know, ministering around the world. Let me ask a question. So, okay, how many of you have served uh, on a short-term mission or even a long-term mission somewhere around the world? Man, that's exciting. Look around a little bit. Just keep your hands up. Look around. That's exciting. In a few years, I'd like for everybody to be able to have their hands up. And you, well, maybe I can say for most of us to have their hands up. Because I read a passage of scripture in the Old Testament one time that it said that King David had gone out for a war and a battle. And there were some who had stayed back to take care of all the equipment and all of the things that were there. And as they were coming back to the spoils of the war, many of the warriors and the soldiers said to King David, who gets to have the spoils of the war? 
And he said it will be equally divided among those who went and fought and those who stayed with the baggage. Basically, he was saying this, there is equal blessing in the kingdom of heaven for those who send the people out onto the field and those who go out onto the field. A person once told me that a missionary is not one who crosses the sea, but one who sees the cross. And so it's us who want to see and have this cross so vivid in our minds that we say we're willing to go. We're willing to, to leverage the resources and what God has given us here in order to send, in order to go, in order to see lives change around the world. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And the passage of Scripture is coming from Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. I'm grabbing my clock. So you guys don't run out of here at some point in time. This is Paul. This is Luke, excuse me, the great physician. And he wrote a two-volume set. The first volume was Luke, and they used to be held together, but as they were putting the canon together, they put the four Gospels together, the books were split. And so you have the Gospel of Luke, and then you have the Acts of the Apostles. And this is Luke writing, and he's beginning, and he's writing it to a Theophilus. Many believe that Theophilus was probably a Christian. Others think that maybe he was a leader within Rome, or maybe a non-believer who uh, Luke was witnessing to and writing these things. But in any case, this is what Luke is writing. This is God's Word. In the first book, that is the Gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many fruits, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven? They said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons, Father, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. May God bless him through the reading and hearing of it. Amen. I love reading the scripture. In part because it's so human. Did you catch the last part of that? We'll get to the meat of this, but I just love the last part of that. Let's just say Jesus was standing right here with us and we're talking with him. And all of a sudden, he literally ascends in front of us. Clouds come around him, and he ascends into heaven and then disappears. Where would you be looking? And these angels show up and go, hey, fellas, what are you looking at? Why are you looking up into heaven? Like it's unreasonable for them to look up into heaven. And he goes, hey, this Jesus that you're looking for, he's told you all along, he's going to come back. I love the humanness of it. I would look at the angels and go, a man just disappeared in the clouds. I, what happened? 
And just that amazing humanity of scripture that I love. I relate so well to the apostles and those who are around in this area going, but God knows us in the midst of our humanity that he needs to send his messengers and his word to come and go, now let me interpret what you just saw. Let me interpret for you what just happened, the great ascension of Jesus Christ, where he ascended to his throne and seated at the right hand, that he is now there in a position of power and authority, and one day he will return again in the exact same way he is going to descend back to this earth, and he is going to recreate all things. But in the meantime, until he comes, and he's already told us you don't know when he's coming back, he can come back now, or now, we're a thousand years from now. We don't know when he's coming back. So Jesus said, guys, don't ask those questions anymore. And those of you who are so interested in end time stuff, here's what I would tell you. Study it, but don't be so overwhelmed by it. Because I'm, people try to figure out end times. And I'm a pan-millennial. You know what that means? It's all going to pan out in the end. So... Some of you are worried about all these things. It's all going to work out in the end. And in the meantime, what is much more important for you to know, whether we're going to be raptured out, or we're going to stay for a while, whether it's great tribulation and all that, here's what Jesus says. While you're still breathing on this earth, do mission. While you're still living on this earth, while you're still able to move around and to breathe and to go out, do my mission. No one has been converted in a conversation about the end times, I imagine. But millions have been converted by saying that there is one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived, who died, was crucified on the cross, who was raised from the dead. And if you believe in him, then you will have everlasting life. Lots of people have been saved by that. And so what we're going to look at today is let's get about the things that are most important. And the first thing that we're going to see is we have a mission. We have a mission, and that mission is very simply stated in verse 8. But you, us, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there it is. It's very simple. He says this, I am going to send my Spirit upon you, and you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the express purpose of going out and being my witness to the people that you're currently with, to people that you don't know and don't like, and to people all over the ends of the world. That's your mission. You're going to be sent out. That's the sense of what we're about. That's it in a nutshell. People ask constantly, well, what's my purpose in life? Books have been written about what's the purpose of the Christian life. Well, the purpose of the Christian life is incredibly simple. Go witness for Jesus Christ wherever he has you. And if you need to go someplace else, go someplace else and do it there too. Because there's people all around the world who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, now I've given them a mechanism to hear. You heard the word said, how will they come to believe if they don't hear? Well, they'll only be able to hear if people go. Well, how will those people go? They can only go if they're sent to go. And so we're called by Jesus to be his witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? Evidently, things haven't been going well on 278 this past week, around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There have been two pile-ups right outside the church, 
And I drove by and got in, and as I was looking, there's usually two or three crushed cars, and then there's two cars who are there that are perfectly fine. And the people who are perfectly fine are talking to the officers. You know what they're doing? They're being witnesses. They're saying, this is what happened. This is what I saw happen. This is the events of what happened, so that you can have the truth and know what the truth is all about. Jesus is saying this to us. You need to know the truth of the events of what happened in the life of Christ, the gospel itself, to know it so well that you can then go out into the world and witness or testify to that truth. That you can tell other people, this is what I believe. This is what I know to be true in the world. And he says, now you need to, there's an assumption in there, isn't there? You know what the assumption is? You know what you're talking about. You think that's funny, but most of us go, I don't know what to say. And here's the usually the default for folks in the church. Let me get you in touch with my pastor. And you know what my response is going to be regularly? Have you talked to, and I'm going to fill your name in. I'm going to push them right back at you because guess who has the best opportunity to share the gospel with them? You, you're in a relationship with them. But you need to know what you're talking about. That's why we want you to be people. We're in a Presbyterian church, and some of you go, that, that's fine, you did. But the history of the Presbyterian church is this. They used to have a, a nickname. And the nickname was People of the Book. Presbyterians were known for knowing the Word of God. For knowing their theology so well that they could go out and they could share it. You know what's happened over the years of the view of Presbyterians? Pros and chosen. For people who stand for nothing at all. They believe anything is true. I want us to be a church that knows the Word of God so well that when someone is in our life, providentially by God, we can go and we can witness to them the truth. And then you have to ask the question well, who are the people? We're on a mission and we have to witness to them the truth that we know, so therefore we need to be studying and we're developing and working hard as a staff and as the leadership of the church to create opportunities to teach you and train you and equip you. Better to go out and share the good news of the gospel. That's on us. And we're going to continue to do that. We have our promise for that. But then this is the next part of guess who you get sent to. He says you get sent to Jerusalem, and that's pretty cool. You get to send other people uh, who are in your own neighborhoods. And most of you know those folks you relate to, and you chose those neighborhoods for a reason. Because those were people similar to you. Then he says, oh, but then you don't get to just stay with people who are similar to you with like-mindedness and with the same political views uh, and the same social views and all of those things. No, 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 no. I'm going to send you out to people who you absolutely are different from. Now, for the Jews, he says, I'm going to send you to Judea. You're like, okay, Judea, that's not too bad. That means I'll send you to Georgia. Or no, for many of us down here, I'll send you to the Northeast. And you're like, oh, okay, I can do that, maybe. And for many of you from the Northeast, you're coming down this way. But then he added this other part in there. Goes, and Samaria. Ah, now, why did you have to go mess everything up? We were fine with being with people like us. But now you want us to cross racial lines? <laughs> now you want us to cross social lines? Now you want us to cross religious lines? Now you want us to cross moral lines? You mean that we, as Christians, are supposed to go and be with those people? You fill in the blank. When I say those people, who comes to your mind? Don't say it out loud, please. <laughs> they may be on your road. Uh, who are those people to you? 
many churches today, you're glad to come in as long as you are white, middle to upper class, educated, Republican, pro-life, anti-gay. You are welcome in our body. Jesus said, I had no idea how to relate to that. Say, I want the Christian church to be out there dealing with busted up, broken lives, and not getting so caught up on all of the social and moral issues of the day. People don't need to know whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or any of that. They need to know whether you're pro-Jesus. And just say, let me explain to you the A, B, and C of the Christian faith. Let me invite you and introduce you to Jesus, and then we'll deal with all of those other things. But here's what we normally say. We're going to deal with all those other things first. And we wonder why no one different from us ever comes around. Remember the dinner I told you about at my house with me, at least in our neighbors? They showed up with a bottle of wine and questions. And their questions were, so, you're a Presbyterian pastor. That means you hate gay people and you believe that a woman shouldn't have the right to choose for her own body. That was the introduction to our meal. I was so thankful to have those people in my home. That they honored us by being in our home. That they would sit at a table with us and bless us by bringing a gift. And we sat and we said, you know what? We can talk about all that stuff later. Tell me about you. Tell me about your life. Tell me about what's going on there. And we began to share life together. And you know what? We never got back around to that conversation. But we had plenty of times to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and their desperate need for him. So you got to go to people who aren't like you. You got to go to people who are different from you. That's what Jesus said. It was really startling. Most people just jump right over that. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria, and then to the end of the world. We like to jump over that middle part. You know, there was a man, a pastor in Chicago, who used to say this to people. They'd come to him and say, hey, we want to go to Africa and minister in Africa. And he would say, well, how are you doing ministering the African-Americans? They say, well, we want, to go, uh, we want to go down to Latin America and minister in Latin America. His response would be, how are you doing ministering to the Latinos who have been moved right into your backyard? Most of us like to jump the middle step because what happens so often in that middle step is it shows within us a deep racism and a deeply held bigotry. And we don't like dealing with that, so it makes us feel better to jump over and go to the end of the world. It is so quiet in here that I'm not sure whether you guys are going to hang out with me for the rest of this sermon. <laughs> going, dang, you're really saying this. In the middle of the time we're trying to raise money, you're really going here. And the answer is, yeah. Go here. Because God has us here for a reason. To minister to all people. Of all backgrounds. And in the middle of it, there's this beautiful truth of the gospel that we know so well. We were those people who he sent his only son into the midst of our mess and he said redeem them be like them live among them and you can imagine I think sometimes the angels probably went you mean those people you mean those people who rebelled against you you mean those people who hated you and want to stand on their own those people who have no place for you they're going to kill your son God don't you know that he said yes absolutely I know that that's why I'm sending them in there, so that through his death, they can find life. And it blew the top off of the world. And it turned everything upside down. And that's our mission. 
is to turn everything upside down. And so we're called to go out on that mission to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now you saw on the video a, a couple of folks uh, who were, had gone out from our church. I'm going to invite Jill Lingle, who is the wife of Patrick Lingle, to come up and ask her a couple of questions because Jill uh, has an interesting background with businesses like well. I get them all over here. So, yeah, none of that down there. So, here we go. But, um, so let's tell me this. Why is missions something you're even interested in? Why is it important? Well, it started when I was 14, and I ended up on a mission trip that I didn't know was a mission trip. Actually, a mission trip to me, um, I ended up staying with a family in Honduras, and God used that summer to teach me about other cultures and other people. I didn't have a profession then, I wasn't super talented, but just by being me, it was amazing just the relationships that were formed and just to be able to encourage people in their walk with Christ and just how they showed me what a relationship with Christ looked like. I think it's very easy to become fairly comfortable in our American Christianity, but we go to another country and we see people who love God with all their hearts and sometimes it looks a little different from how we serve God or worship God. Um, but I think sometimes it's a challenge to us to examine our own hearts. So how has our church here encouraged you in your passion for mission? And then look, you're the mother of how many kids? Four. Four. How do you want this church to be a place for them to learn about what's a media impact? So kind of two parts. I think our church here has been very encouraging. I was able to go on the Haiti trip last year, and we did fundraisers, and people here are excited about mission trips, and we're planning another one this year, and many other people from our congregation have gone on church mission trips, or even ones on their own. And so I really appreciate the prayers and support of people here. People usually will come and ask, how can I help, how can I pray for you? Um, as far as personally with my four children, they're interested, and on the last trip when I went to Haiti, I was able to explain to them that mom had the opportunity to go and to show that mom was left to boys and girls that didn't have parents, and would it be okay for mom to go away for a week so they could have a mommy? And they were very excited about that, and they would like to go on a mission trip one day soon, so I thought it was a wonderful opportunity to kind of live out an example to them. Thanks. Well, guys, with I'll say this, Jill down there in Haiti with those kids, you could tell she was a mom. She loved on those kids, and they were running all around her, and she was with them. And there's another person in our church this morning who's uh, a child of this church, Rob Philbertson, and Jenny, his wife. Rob, would you stand up? Jenny, would you guys like to stand up? Again, the last name may be familiar, Dilberton. He was this pastor who hung out here for 18 years or something like that. Um, but many of you don't know Rob, and he did come down away from the church now. As they're planning on going with Mission to the World, our denomination sending group, uh, over to West London and to share the gospel there. The church that they're going to be a part of there has roughly said 100 and, 120 people with 33 nations represented in that 120 folks. It's amazing. 
They go, where are we sending folks over to England? Because they know there's a lot of nations coming out of there. And then guess what they have access to from there? Is to go back over to the nations and share the gospel there. Well, Rob uh, got passionate about missions on a trip to this church as a youth group because this church was sending kids around the world to learn about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to be a church that continues to send people out on our mission. Jonathan and Jim will be around after the service today. Uh, you can talk to them. And then tonight at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a dinner at uh, Peter Liz Milestone. Uh, so you can hear uh, about them and about their ministry and how you want to partner with them. So please see uh, the other friends or the final session service about that. For this mission, then, we have to go out. And I'll only brief on these two things. But you're saying, man, you're going to send us out, but what are we going to do? We're going to get blown away out there. But we're, we don't know what we're doing. And Jesus answered that, and he said, but you will receive power. In order to accomplish this mission, you are going to have to have supernatural power infused in you and given to you. It is not something that is naturally created within the life of the believer. It comes externally from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us in that day in that way with his power. If you were to flip back uh, to a little bit earlier, uh, then it says, uh, to flip forward to the next chapter, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them. Utterance. What he's saying is that the Holy Spirit has to be the power source for us to go out in the world. We can't do what we are trying to accomplish in the life of this church if the Holy Spirit does not come and bless this church in a very powerful and mighty way. And as Christians, what we need to do is not look for programs. We don't need to look for all of these other things. We need to come back and continue to pray and say, God, would you pour your spirit into me so that I would be your witness here or there or wherever you are, that you can't do it on your own. Sometimes some of us get all discouraged that we're not being effective or we don't know why things aren't going. And my first question is, well, have you prayed? Have you prayed that God would fill you with the Spirit in such a way that you would be a powerful witness in there? Oh, no. <laughs> no, but I planned it really well and it's really well funded. Uh, and I got all this stuff. I mean, it really looks good. And we forget the one thing that will make our ministries most effective, and that is the third person of the Trinity coming and filling us. And that's what happened in the day of Pentecost with all the people who were there gathered. That is what's happened all throughout all of history, is that we go out in His power. You're never on your own in that way. Since I will always fill you with my power. And it is an incredible power. Too many of us are grabbing nine-volt batteries to try to power this thing. And what we need is the eternal power source of the Holy Spirit, God himself, coming and filling us in this. Because guess what? He's got to overcome our own hearts. Any of you afraid to go out to church? If I said, hey, here's what we're going to do right after church. 12.15, right out there in the parking lot, everybody say, we're going to go and we're going to evangelize everybody that way. We're going to share the gospel with everybody that way. How many of you would be a little nervous with that idea? And then the rest of you, you didn't listen. Because I would be nervous about that idea. They're like, holy cow, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden the excuses would come rapidly and quickly. Oh, well, you're like, you didn't give me enough leave. I'm like, 